Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Hey, welcome back to Ohio Politics Explained. Today in our podcast is who's running for what? This week, we're talking about Amelia Sykes's run for Congress, gay rights icon Jim Obergefell's jumping into Ohio politics, What's the big project in New Albany and how Omicron is leading some nursing homes to halt admissions? I'm Laura Bischoff filling in this week for Anna Staver, and I'm joined in studio with Haley Bimiller. Hey, Haley. Happy Friday. Hey, yeah. So let's start with Amelia Sykes. She had been the House Minority Leader. She just stepped down and she announced on Monday that she is running for Congress Amelia is a Democrat from Akron. She's got a law degree, I think a master's degree in public health. And she also comes from a very political family. Her mom served in the legislature and ran for state statewide office uh, for state auditor. And her dad is in the Ohio Senate currently. So what are her chances in that district? And what's that district going to look like? Tell me about the race, Haley. Sykes's entrance into this race, I think, is a pretty big deal for Democrats. She has a lot of name recognition in the community. She has a lot of experience. She, within the first 24 hours of her announcement, she raised over 150000 according to her campaign. So she's definitely going to get a lot of support. On the Republican side of things right now, we have a few candidates, including probably most well-known Max Miller. He used to work for former President Donald Trump. Trump has endorsed him in this race because Miller was initially supposed to challenge Representative Anthony Gonzalez in the 16th until redistricting happened. Things got shuffled around. Also running in the 13th is Shea Hawkins. He used to work for Representative Jim Renacci, who's now running for governor. The way that the 13th is currently drawn right now, it's pretty competitive district. There's a slight advantage for Democrats, but all that said, what the district ends up looking like is anyone's guess. The Supreme Court last week threw out the congressional maps, told lawmakers to go back to the drawing board. So whether this district will stay as competitive as it is, we don't know, but I certainly think Sykes will be a significant contender and, you know, it'll be a race to watch. I wonder if the if Republicans who are controlling, you know, control the legislature and controlling the map drawing, if they'll try to make the district more challenging uh, for Sykes, given that she is a pretty strong Democratic candidate, I wouldn't put it past them. What do you think? It's certainly anything's possible as far as I'm concerned when it comes to redistricting. You know, they do have pretty strict rules that they have to abide by under the court's decision. So I don't know if they tried that, whether they'd be able to get away with it, but it certainly would be something to watch. Yeah. And certainly everybody should be following uh, Jesse Balmer on Twitter. She is our redistricting guru and she's been covering all the redistricting stuff in depth and with lots of insights and analysis. Absolutely. So switching gears to the Ohio House, we had another big candidate announcement this week. Jim Obergefell announced that he's going to run for one of the House districts. And that's that's a big name. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, Jim Obergefell, you might um, remember he is the name plaintiff in the case that went before the U.S. Supreme Court that legalized same-sex marriage across the country. He spent most, he grew up in Sandusky and then uh, moved to Cincinnati, I think to go to UC and spent most of his adult life there, fell in love with John Arthur. And John Arthur was 
dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. And so they flew, they took a medical jet to Maryland and took their vows on the tarmac and then flew back. And then um, John passed away. And Jim wanted to be listed on the death certificate as the spouse. And the Ohio Department of Health said, nope, Ohio does not recognize same-sex marriages. And so Obergefell sued and he was among, you know, lots of different plaintiffs that were suing on on the same premise, and but his he he ended up being you know first name in there, and he and he fought that fight, and and now he says it's time that he he wants to um, take on another fight, and he has moved back to Sandusky, which is where he grew up and where his family still lives. I think he's the youngest of six kids. I think he said almost all of them live in Erie County, and so he is uh, he's running for the Ohio House, um, and I think it's the 89th district right now again. Legislative redistricting, everything's kind of up in the air. They're switching around the lines. But if, you know, if if it were today, he'd go up against a Republican DJ Swearingen. And um, Obergefell, I think he, he said he wants to work on job opportunities for people up in the Sandusky area. He said he's seen a lot of his friends and family have to move out because there are no jobs. And he also really emphasized um, the importance of protecting Lake Erie and as an economic driver and a natural resource. And then he also said he would be um, working to protect LGBTQ rights, and he wants to see the Ohio Equality Act passed. That's something that Nikki Antonio, the only openly gay state legislator in, in the General Assembly, has been um, pushing for for more than a decade, really. Yeah, and I think given his ties to the Supreme Court case, as you noted, who his opponent will be and what the district will look like remains to be seen. But I think he has a lot of national ties that could pour some substantial money into his campaign. Oh, yeah, I, I fully expect that he would. he's going to be able to raise a, a pile of money. Just as, as soon as we posted that story on Monday, it, it got a lot of national attention. And I think his biggest challenge, though, is that Sandusky's a pretty red area and convincing his friends and neighbors and their friends and neighbors and their friends and neighbors to vote for him is going to be the tricky part. Yeah. So turning to another topic, there's a big project happening in New Albany, we expect Friday there's going to be a bunch of political VIPs in, in um, Newark for a big announcement. And the dispatch has been reporting that Intel, that's a semiconductor manufacturer, is building a $20 billion plant in western Licking County. And the word is it's going to be like 3,000 jobs, not including construction jobs. Haley, like how, how big of a big deal is this? Well, it's literally going to be a big project uh, The to constructed at their annexing 3,200 acres of land, which, fun fact, is more than twice the size of OSU's main campus. So it's going to be a huge facility, and it's also a really important get for the state in terms of economic growth, development. It will give Governor Mike DeWine something to brag about as he runs for re-election this year. It'll give, really, all sorts of politicians something to brag about because, again, this is just really important for the state's economy at a time when, because of the pandemic, you know, everyone, including Ohio, has been been struggling. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, um, this is, it sort of reminds me of when um, Jim Rhodes, who was a Republican governor back in the day, he was able to convince Honda to come to Ohio. And it started out where they bought a, you know, a big track of land out in kind of the boondocks. And they started small and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, so it'll be interesting to see where the Intel project goes. It's already starting out, you know, at a, at a pretty giant footprint. 
Yeah, absolutely. And for more information on this today and going forward, be sure to check out the Columbus Dispatch. Our colleagues have been doing a lot of work on this and will continue to. Another big story that never stops being a story is, of course, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Our colleagues Titus Wu and Max Philby looked this week at how the Omicron surge is affecting nursing homes. What do we know about that? Yeah, so there's this kind of like a big backlog happening. Typically, when patients are ready to be discharged from hospitals in, into a less intense setting, uh, they, they're sent to nursing homes for you know rehab or long-term care. But this contagious, super contagious Omicron variant has really limited that process. As a result, some of the nursing homes are halting admissions in Ohio and nationwide and People are kind of like getting stranded in a limbo or holding pattern inside already overwhelmed hospitals that are waiting for spots to open up in the nursing homes. And of course, nursing homes, you know, the, the there's staff shortages um, because of the tight labor market, because of COVID outbreaks. And also, you know, the nursing home jobs are they're pretty challenging and they don't pay a lot. I think the average wage for like a nursing home aid is maybe like 12 bucks an hour. And um, so that's that's kind of one of their problems as well. As far as I know, the Ohio Hospital Association is not tracking this patient backlog, but Ohio Health, which is based here in Columbus, said like the number of COVID-19 patients waiting for beds to open up in skilled nursing facilities has more than tripled um, since October. So it's it's definitely a big problem. Yeah. Hopefully things get more manageable for them soon. But, you know, as you noted, you know, nursing home workers and healthcare workers in general are just super burnt out at this point. And it's hard to motivate people to stay in those jobs. There's also the concern with the um, mandate for healthcare workers to get vaccinated against COVID-19, that that might cause more people to drop out of that workforce. And, you know, you look at job sites and people can make more money working at warehouses right now. Yeah. So one more thing before we go, I wrote about the Ohio Supreme Court Justice Mike Donnelly. He's a Democrat from Cuyahoga County. He wants the rules changed for when it comes to how plea agreements are negotiated. 90% of criminal charges are resolved this way. And he is insisting that those plea agreements be based entirely on the facts of the case. His argument is that people are charged with certain things and then they plea to lesser charges that may be, you know, kind of only tangentially based on facts of the case. And prosecutors say that they need more leeway, particularly in child abuse and sexual assault cases, to offer a chance to, you know, get a get justice, some measure of justice without putting the victim through the trauma of testifying. And so this is sort of a battle between um between Justice Donnelly and the Ohio Prosecuting Attorneys Association and, and also Hamilton County Prosecutor Joe Dieters. So stay tuned on that. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we've covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Kent Record Courier. That's record-courier.com. <laughs>